All right, well, today we're going to continue. It's week four of a series that we've been doing called What on Earth Am I Here For? Now, a number of you are reading along the book, What Am I Here? What on Earth Am I Here For? Give me a wave if you're reading along with the book. Many of our groups are discussing this. It's a great series by Rick Warren. Over 35 million of these books have been sold. And we've already talked, we're talking about the five different aspects of God's call for your life. God has a purpose and a call for every individual that he created uh, for you before the beginning of time. He thought of you, he created you, and he had a purpose in mind for you. And we discovered that of, the, of these five, and they all build on each other, the first purpose that God has for us is to be loved by him to be loved by Him, to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. When you have that relationship with Him, everything changes. In about 25 minutes, I'm going to ask us here today, and Teresa's going to ask you online, if you would like to begin a relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in the room or online. You're going to be asked just to connect with someone, and we'll lead you in a prayer of connecting with God so that you can experience His love. When Lydia says, I began to cry, I don't know why, that's because when God's love pours in, pain begins to leave us, and it leaves in the form of tears. And so, often that's part of God's healing for our life. That's the first thing, to be loved by God. The second part of being loved by God is to belong. Okay, so I'm called to, to be loved and I'm called to belong. I'm called to belong. You're called to belong to God's family. Once you're a son or a daughter, he places us in family. The Bible says he places the lonely in families and that's his church is God's family. So the way that works, and I heard someone say it this week uh, beautifully, they said this, so many people are worried about finding their purpose, but you're better, be, better than finding your purpose is to find your people. Because when you find your people, then you'll find your purpose. When you find your family, when you find the relationships that God created you for, they will be mission critical in discovering your purpose. And then the third, the third calling that we looked at, uh, that we're going to look at today, actually, is you're called to become. You're called to become. Now, I don't know how many of you can remember back to being a child, thinking, when I grow up, I'm going to become a policeman. I'm going to become a, I'm going to become an astronaut. Come on, who wanted to be an astronaut when you were growing up? Anyone in the room? Awesome. Who, what about, a, who wanted to be a nurse? We got anyone who wanted to be a nurse growing up? Awesome. A doctor, anyone? Uh, who wanted to be famous? That was just your, your number one. You just wanted to be famous. All right. How many people, I, I wonder, just online, put it in the chat, how many of you are doing what you, what you thought you would become when you were eight. Just looking around the room. We've got one. Awesome. Two. Good job. Three. Fantastic. I'm not sure how many online you've become what you thought you wanted to become, but for so many of us, it's not actually the way it plays out. And God has a desire and a design for you and a design for me to become something. And I want us to look at what it is. It comes from a, a key verse that we've been looking at in the scripture, Romans 8.28. And it says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called, that's, that's the call of God for our life, all of us have got a call, according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. 
so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. When you become born again and the calling of God gets activated in your life, then we become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So here's the third life calling that we all have. It's to become like Christ. All right. So what does that mean to become like Jesus? Does that mean I've got to grow a beard? Flowing garments, come on. The, the, I mean, there's lots of uh, people in coffee shops right now may, as baristas making, the, they look a little bit like Jesus, let's be real. The, the flowing garments, the long hair, the whole vibe, all right? Uh, it's not so much that. We're not talking about an exit. Do I need to become a carpenter? Come on, tradies, we know you're more like Jesus than the rest of us. That's kind of how it works. Is that what it's like? No. To become like Jesus means to get the, the characteristics of Jesus, to become um, in his likeness, to have a family likeness. That means that, that God is love, therefore we become more loving. He's joyful, he's peaceful, he's patient, he's kind, he's self-controlled, he's merciful. These are the inner characteristics that Jesus has as God that he wants us to have at being made in his image. The Bible calls those the fruit of his spirit the fruit of the Spirit. So, so let's think about that then. How do I become more like Jesus? Is it now that I'm born again, is it inbuilt? Or is it a journey? And it's often a question we ask, and it's the big question on how does someone become a certain type of person? Is it nature or is it nurture? Is it something that's inbuilt in their DNA or is it something that happens because of the atmosphere of their life? My brother-in-law is a professor of law in um, Brisbane. He's a very smart academic man. He's, he's often a consultant to the federal government on constitutional issues. And his oldest two kids are right now, uh, one of them's finishing a doctorate at Oxford University where they got a scholarship and another's just doing her doctorate. And you go, okay, is that because genetically they're academically brilliant with a high IQ or have they been raised in a family that, that values academic study, that values conversation, that values a university degree and higher education? Is it one or the other? I would suggest to you that it's both. I would suggest that it's inner, it's an internal DNA issue, and it's an atmosphere issue. And so, so often it works like that. I, my son Jackson, who's with us, uh, I've been here for a few weeks. The, the moment he was born, if you've been around here a little while, I looked at him. My very first thought was, OMG, he looks like me. I mean, he was tiny. But the family resemblance was uncanny at that moment. I just saw like, oh, whoa, it was, it was crazy. That's, that's genetic DNA, okay? It's, it's inbuilt in him. But now as we've grown up, and he's got a girlfriend now, we had holidays together a little while ago, our family all together, and I watched the, I watched the lights go on for Nat as, as I was doing certain things, and she's like, Jackson does that. And I would laugh a certain way, and, she's, and after a while, I'm like, yep, he didn't, get, he didn't come up with it himself, it's, he's got me, all running through his veins, both genetically, but by atmosphere, certain ways of saying things, certain ways of laughing. Why? Because he's grown up with me, that creates an atmosphere. So how do I become more like Jesus? How do you become more like Jesus? How do you be transformed to be more like Jesus? The good news is it is nature and it's nurture. When you get born again, when you become spiritually a new creation, new, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That tells me I've got a new spiritual DNA. 
You have a new spiritual DNA. You've got everything on the inside that you need to become more like Christ genetically. But we need nurture as well. We need an environment. We need an atmosphere. We need, we need a journey to become more like Jesus. And it is the journey of a lifetime. And you won't become exactly like Jesus until we meet him in heaven. And in one moment, we're gloriously transformed and all of our bad habits and sinful nature gets dropped off and I become like Christ in reality. So the Bible calls it, when I'm made brand new and I'm forgiven and cleansed, the Bible calls that justification. I'm made righteous. But the journey, just a couple of big Bible words for us today, the journey of becoming like Christ is called sanctification. I get changed more and more as I travel along. So how does that happen? We know about how it happens by nature, being born again, I get the DNA of Jesus. But how do I become more like Christ if that's my calling? Well, the Bible five times compares our Christian life to being like a marathon. Okay, it's like a race, a long distance race. And so I want us to think today, just to put this mindset on, becoming more like Jesus, it doesn't happen in a moment. It's a marathon. It's a journey. It's a marathon to maturity. And we're going to have a look at one particular scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 to draw about three principles today that we can embrace as we discover our purpose, we discover our calling of what it means to become more like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up, and let us run, there's that marathon word, let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. A couple of key things. The particular race. That means your race is going to be different to my race. You've got to run your race. You've got to run the race that God's designed for you. You've got to run it with patience. I, I don't really like that. We'll get to that at point two in a moment. I don't know how many marathon runners we've got in the room. How many we've got online. I, I, you know, some people go on a fun run. Who, who goes on a fun run? Anyone? To me, that's just a pure oxymoron. Why it is fun and run in any, anywhere near each other in the same sentence. They, they should not be anywhere near. The only reason from my point of view to run is if I'm, I'm running away from some sort of wild animal or I've got a ball and there's a competition going on. That's about the only, but anyway, I say that because I've had to become a runner to stay fit in my older age. There we go. Okay, let's look at this. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. The first point that I want to talk about in becoming more like Jesus is to simplify my life. To simplify my life. The Greek word there where it says, let us strip off anything is oikos. It literally means weight. If you're going to be a marathon runner, and I know purely by observation, is you don't see people running marathons with 10 jackets on. You don't see people running marathons with heavy boots. Uh, you don't see people running marathons with, with multiple tracksuit pants on and layer after layer. You see people running marathon in singlets, really light shorts, and the lightest possible uh, pair of sneakers that they can possibly find because they don't want to be weighed 
down by extra weights. Okay. And so this is the principle that Paul's referring to is when we're running the marathon of our Christian journey to become mature and more like Christ, we've got to sometimes strip off the things that weigh us down. Now, he goes on and says, and get rid of the sin that trips us up. I'm not going to focus on that today. Uh, sin, let, let the Holy Spirit talk to you. If there's sin that you're perpetually doing that's going to trip you up, then deal with it and come to, up to a higher level with God. Let God show it to you and come up to a higher level. I want to talk today, not so much about the sin, but what are the weights that slow us down? What are the things that stop us becoming more like Jesus? Here's, here's a few little thoughts that I've got. So many of us uh, uh, get caught up in stuff, and I don't know if you, you've followed the Marie Kondo idea of decluttering your home. So she, she was a, an Asian lady, and her whole idea was that every now and then you've just got to go through the cupboards, you've got to go through your clothes, and it's time because there's too much, and, and now you're, you've got too many choices, and there's more mess, and there's more stress. So you just look at something, and you say, you bought me joy for a season, thank you so much, and then you give it away to an op shop. Okay, that, who's done that? Who's, who's done that? It's spring, spring is coming. Get ready to spring clean. But sometimes we need a spring clean of our life. And we need to go, okay, there's lots of things that I do that were good once. They were good in a season. They were good for a moment. They, were, they, they achieved an end. But, but now, either by guilt or habit or association, I'm still doing that thing. But now, it's weighing me down. And I've got I've to actually go through my life and do an inventory and start to think, well, what, what do I need to drop? What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to let go of? I want, I've got three thoughts for you here this morning that might prompt some Holy Spirit ideas of what we could le- leave behind today. I've got a picture of some people leaving some things behind this morning, leaving some things behind and going and doing some things today that will make you lighter and more able to run this long distance race of becoming more like Jesus. The first is that there are just certain activities that we just need to let go. They're weighing us down. They're not necessarily sinful, so we're not talking about sin. They're just, they're just distracting. They're, just, they're cluttering up our life. And so often if we find ourselves saying, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that, I don't have time for the good things in our life, that's because we've got to go through and go, well, that was good once, and that bought me joy once, but it's time to let it go. Maybe it's the time wasters. Maybe it's the it's the the, sh- the things that we've been watching or reading or looking at. One of the one of the greatest growth years in my life. I did this at the beginning of the year. I just felt a prompt from God, and I decided not to have a TV for a year when I lived on my own. Just and I, I, we didn't have mobile phones, so that the, I didn't have an internet connection, and so I just one year without a TV. And you go, oh my gosh, did you die? Apparently not. I'm still here. I look back on that one year and by decluttering one thing, it made more room for God. I listened to, to well, I'm going to say CDs, but they were tapes at that particular point. I listened to messages and I heard things. And, and as I listened to those things, God spoke to me but the, I, I, and I began to memorize scripture. and I began to do all these great things that brought me closer to Jesus. But to be able to do that, I needed to declutter. I needed to let, let something that was weighing me down go. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's something that, and you just feel the prompt from God. Uh, you've been binging that for too long. It's time to stop it. I'm sorry for getting really real right now. 
You, you've been involved in that for so long and you know, you're, you're playing sports six nights a week. Now it's good when you're 18, but now you're 33 and you've got seven kids. It's time you're home. Come on, somebody. You've got to let some things go because they were good. When I was a boy, I did the things of a boy, but now I'm a man. Paul said, I do the things of a man. There's, you know, if you're, if you're 37 and you're playing Xbox four hours a day, probably time to do some shut, some, just saying, anyway. Just got to let some things go. Just let some things go. Make some room for the good habits. Okay, that's, that's activities. Sometimes there's, there's, there's just some bad habits we've got into. And the bad habits become distractions. I would say that this little sucker, this, I don't know about you, but I find often I ask God, I pray this prayer, I say, Lord, what, can I, what should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? What should I start doing? And quite consistently on the stop is this thing. Stop, just stop looking at that so much. Stop, stop turning it on so much. It's, on, it's actually on airplane mode right now, so don't try and text me to be smart. I know some of you are thinking about doing that, all right? Don't do that right now. Stop. What's the distraction? Let me just say this. this, this I want to change this really practical thing that's going to change some people's lives right now. If you get a notification on your phone every time somebody likes one of your posts or makes a comment on it, you could change your life by just stopping that. Just that. Because every time you're going in this direction and your phone goes, bing, your brain just goes, ding, distracted. Oh, oh, Hope liked my photo. Isn't that sweet? That's amazing. Oh, oh, look, Jai just, Jai just liked my photo. Oh, you must really love me. That's so good. I love Jai. I think, and, I, and it just takes my brain from focus to distract it all the time. It just keeps, so, so I, I just try and dominate the notifications on my phone so I barely get any. So that then I choose when I'm going to use it as a tool rather than it choosing to distract me all the time. Just, I'm here to help. I mean, just very practical pastoring straight from the Word of God right here. Let go of the things that, the habits that weigh us down. What about the, what, what else can we let go of? What about the burdens? What about the burdens? Sometimes we carry things that aren't ours to carry. Sometimes, sometimes I find myself having, and particularly when I love people and I have relationships with people and people begin to make wrong choices and go in certain directions, sometimes I actually hear God saying, uh, that that's not your burden. Let it go. I've got this. And we're carrying somebody. And every now and then, and again, let me just in the world of, of social media, because I know that's such a big deal for so many people. They're, 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 sometimes you've just got to have a cleanse of your friends. Because they're not really your friends. I mean, you went to school with them 20 years ago, and you haven't talked to them ever since. But you're, you're watching and you're engaged in all this. And it's just, it's a whole other life. And, or you're, watch, you're watching things. Oh, here we go. You're, you've got things and it's like when you look at it, your blood starts to boil. Because it fires you up about something. And it's not actually a burden that's healthy for you to carry. And so you're better just, to just have a mass unfollow moment. There are people who are taking you to feelings and emotions that are, that's actually robbing your family or robbing God. And so every now and then, I, 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 God did this with me this week. And I'm like, oh, I'm praying for that. I'm believing for that. And he just said, no, not your issue. Let them go. And it was so hard to unfollow. But I just had to do it. And you know what? I felt so free. 
because it's not sin, but I'm just letting go of something that's weighing me down. And there's people who are making bad choices around your world. And, and, he's, and you're like, no, I've just got to stay attached to them because maybe I can be the answer to help them. But what God says is actually the plane's going down. You put your mask on first. Don't go down with them. Step back. Run your race. Don't run somebody else's race. Don't get overburdened for somebody. Just helping somebody here today. We're doing all right. That's number one. Simplify my life. Simplify my life. Number, number two, in, I, I'm called to become more like Jesus. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. Preaching to myself here. Apparently, I came home from school as a five-year-old, threw my bag in the corner and said, ah, I didn't even learn to read and write today. It's been the story of my life. Hebrews 12, 1, the part B says this, let us run with patience. Run with patience. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. For some reason, I can do the first 10 meters of every race really fast. I, I don't know, I just seem to be able to get out in front. But then if any race longer than 10 meters and I'm in trouble, everyone starts to stream past me. The marathon, the marathon of your Christian journey. I don't want you to go so on fire for six months and then burn out after two years. I want you to just pace yourself, be on God's timetable. Uh, as if you've been a Christian for two years, awesome. Keep growing. Just keep, just, just ask yourself this question. Am I growing? more like Jesus. Now, don't worry. The first two years, you grow the most. A baby doubles in size in the first 12 months. And then I think uh, then it keeps growing. And, and often, I'm, if Danielle was here, I'd confirm this, but I think when you're about two years old, you can double it, and that, that'll be your ultimate height. Is that right, anyone? Thank you, Jono. Awesome. So that's, that's absolute fact from Dr. Jono. Awesome. <laughs> so the, the greatest growth is probably going to happen in your first couple of years as a Christian. But don't stop then. Then you're in the danger zone of, of distraction and, and diversion and getting on. But just say, I'm going to stay growing in Christ. Don't be impatient about it. If God wants a mushroom, it takes six hours. If he wants an oak tree, it takes 60 years. I want to be more like the oak tree, strong, stable, secure. I, I want when the storms of life come my way, I want my roots to be deep down in Christ. I want to be connected to the family of God. I want to be able to withstand the storms, the, the pressures, the, the relationship challenges, the financial challenges, the health challenges, the loss and the grief in my life. I want to be able to stand, withstand all of the difficult seasons by going the long haul. I want to be like Dale and Judy Phillips, who I believe are watching online this morning, and get online and pray with us. And in their 80s and 90s, serving God, loving God, faithful, week in, week out. They're the heroes. Can we make the heroes of our faith the people who, are, who have gone 60 years living for Jesus, the people who are following Christ? See Ted and Jenny over there, awesome people who just keep believing God and following God your whole life. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. Don't get impatient or get in a hurry. One of the things often I, I, I pray and I wait and I say, God, just speak to me. And I hear God say to me, you're on track. So often, you're on track. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, that's good news. I want to say to somebody here today, you're on track. You're on track. You're, you're, you're right where God wants you to be. Just keep growing. Keep at that pace. All right, the third thing that we want to find you. Hebrews 12 verse 2. So in the next verse says, we do this. So we're running the race. We're becoming more like Jesus. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. You will become who you hang out with. I often say this to young people, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Another way you might have heard it say, if you're going to soar with the eagles, don't hang out with turkeys. So there's this, there's this thing, that, that, and scientists have looked at it and they found it. It's a biological discovery. It's called, it's called mirror neurons. It's part of your brain. And you've seen it when a, a little baby or begins to see you do something and they begin to do something. You go, blah, 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 and they'll be, blah, 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 they just still back at you. And you watch it as little kids start to grow up and start to walk. I've seen little boys follow around doing exactly what daddy's doing. What is that motor? That, that's mirror neurons in your brain. It allows us to see something and to have that feeling, to, empath, to empathize or to sympathize. If I was to yawn right now, half of you here and online would begin to yawn. You just see it and it would set you off. What is that? That's your mirror neuron. Some of you, just the mention of yawning are yawning right now. You're probably setting off a whole uh, train reaction of yawning. Why? Because your brain's like that. You watch a movie, you see a scary situation and fear on somebody and you feel the fear. That's your mirror neurons. You see a loving scene. You begin to feel that, that those, uh, those endorphins begin to hit your body. My team wins and it's starting to happen, praise God, in my life after many years. And I see the joy on the face of the team as they sing the team song. We're coming for you, Collingwood, David Stennett, we're coming for you. I see, I see them sing the song and I didn't play the game, but I feel the joy that the players are feeling. What is that? That's my mirror neurons. Uh, they're, they're, I'm, I'm capturing thoughts and feelings. That's the way God created us. So here's the deal. If you're going to become more like Jesus, you and I, we've got to actually spend more time with Jesus because we become what we watch, what we look at, what we spend more time with. This is the simple thing. If I was, if I was Doug to be able to give you a habit for the rest of your life that would be the most important habit, if I was Ash, had a happy birthday from this week, if I was to give you one habit for every day that would be your most important habit, I would say simply this, it's just spending time with Jesus every day spend time focusing on Jesus every day everything's trying to distract you everything's trying to pull you away from it we call it a daily quiet time and it doesn't have to be hour after hour after hour but just a moment in your day when you center yourself and you stop and you know family dinner we, we put our phones in baskets or in a certain place just so we, we're together sometimes I purposely don't read my Bible on my phone because of the distraction factor or an iPad I, I purposely try and keep it separated from me because I want to be in this moment of I'm giving Jesus time 10 minutes a day would be a great start and here's what I've found the way it works is if, if I don't have a set time for it I have great intentions and then the day's gone, and I've missed my connection with the Lord. If I don't have a plan for it. So, so for me, and I've tried all different sorts of times, and you, gotta, you can t find your, your time that will work for you, but I've found that in the morning works for me. Luke 22 verse 39 says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives to pray. If anyone 
didn't need to pray, you would think it would be Jesus. Because he's God. But modeling the way for us to live, I love it. Jesus went out as usual, so was his habit, to a certain place. I just, I want you, I want you to discover your certain place. There's certain places you go and you just have an association that this place has a certain feeling with it. That's what a quiet time does. Might be your bed, might be the backyard under a tree, might be in your car, might be a room, a lounge room, an office, a study, it might be walking, but it's like when I do this, this I've made an appointment with God. Sometimes we just need to put an appointment in our calendar. Oh yeah, at 6.30 in the morning, I spend 15 minutes with God, with Jesus. I'm focusing on him. I talk to him. I tell him things. I, I ask him to speak back to me. I, I, I stop. I give him my burdens. I read his Bible. And as I look at him, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory all the more. How do we reflect His glory? By looking at Him. How do we look at Him? We talk to Him and we read His Word. I love us that we're going to come, we're running out of time. But I love to think that today, you're not just a hearer of God's Word, but you become a doer. So for some people, that means you're going to go home today and do an inventory of what are you doing that's distracting? Whose burdens are you carrying that you need to let go? What do you need to change on your phone to stop the distractions so you can be more present? To not be impatient, but to just be patient, to go the long haul. And some of you today are going to go, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to start a habit or restart. Maybe you used to spend some time with God, but you're going to restart spending some time with God. Can we close our eyes across the room? Why don't you just ask the Lord right now? Let's stop with the chat on the online. Let's pause in the room. Why don't you just ask God, what is it that I need to do? What, what hindrance can I remove that's stopping me becoming more like Jesus? Lord, what do I need to do? Just ask him, Lord, what do I need to do? Lord, what do I need to do? What are you asking of me? I want to become more like you, Jesus. What are you asking of me? Let's take the time. Is there a burden you're carrying you need to let go? Is there a relationship that you're hanging on to that you just need to release?
Is there a habit or a distraction? It's weighing you down. Just let it go. Make a decision right now. Let this be one of those moments. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every person who's watching online right now that you'll speak to us. That this calling to become more like Jesus will burn in our hearts, more loving, more kind, more selfless, more joyful. Help us to focus on you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.